0: Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week on The Grange Point, we're actually going to be crossing to a recording session live at the ISA Melbourne's First Casual Science Café, held on the 24th of July in Parkville, where we heard from Monash University lecturer Dr Eric Thrain and then sat down to have a chat on a number of topics. Last week we heard about LIGO, the gravitational wave detector, and this week we're going to be hearing about studying science, how you make your way through getting into astrophysics, as well as some of the biggest challenges left in physics. So we return to our Science Café series, recorded on the 24th of July in Parkville in Melbourne where we were discussing with esteemed lecturer from Monash University, Dr. Eric Thrain, all interesting topics to do with physics, particularly gravitational theory physics and his work with LIGO, an amazing machine designed to detect gravitational waves. Last week, we covered on the Grange Point a summary of what Dr. Thrain's research is all about, and we heard from him direct what exactly LIGO does, how it works and what it can help us answer. This week we find out from Dr. Thrain a number of interesting other topics that aren't exactly to do with his research on the fantastic machine LIGO. We discuss with him what he thinks are the number one challenges left facing physics. Can we ever really know all of physics or is that just a fallacy, much in the same way as our esteemed fellows in the Enlightenment thought we'd discovered all of science? And we also find out about Dr. Thrain's journey through his studies from undergraduate research doing philosophy as well as physics through postdoctoral and others, and how he actually ended up studying this area of gravitational waves. So imagine yourself with a cup of coffee in hand and sitting down, relaxing and enjoying this casual discussion on science recorded at YSA Melbourne's Science Cafes live in Parkville in Melbourne. So you hear some coffee cups clinking and some and people talking in the background, it's all just part of the ambiance to help you get you in the mood for this casual science cafe. Now onto to the first area of discussion, what is really the big problems left in physics? What's what's the one thing in your field, like the one big problem that you really think, like if you could have something that was omniscient and knew the answers to everything, what would you want to know the answer to? Well, I'm going
1: to duck this question and answer a few (laughs) things. So, I think, or at least two. So, one of the biggest mysteries in current astrophysics and cosmology is understanding what the universe is made out of. Yep. Okay. Which is pretty fundamental. So, yes. <laughs> we, we know that seventy something percent of the energy density in the universe is dark energy. We call it. Yep. know what that is. Yep. Twenty something percent is dark matter, and we know that that's matter. matter. We we don't that, know what that we, we don't, don't know, know what it what is. Stitchy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We believe that three like percent of the, the energy in the universe is sort of
0: regular baryonic matter. It's
1: called like you know the table, so. What is the universe made out of? What is dark energy? What is dark matter? Or fundamental questions. If I could find out quickly, you know, what the if, I
0: would love to know. That. Because once you know that, like, is that more important than, say, a grand unified theory? Oh, I don't think you can say that. But <laughs> but that's
1: we're both very fundamental too. I mean, a grand unified theory is trying to. Explain all the, the forces and interactions of the universe, but
0: knowing what the universe
1: is made out of is very, it's very fundamental too. So I mean, that's kind of these are these are both deep
0: um, questions, and, and, and basically they're the questions that we have the least idea about to understand. Yeah, but would you rather find out the answer to something, or find out the answer to one fundamental and then discover the other?
1: <laughs> uh, may I discover something.
0: That I yeah, be, um, it's like it okay. Be, uh, I know. I know, I know so what dark discover. matter is made out of. Life. Now I can go discover the actual. What did you say, the, the Grand Unified theory. theory. Grand Unified Theory. But they're a different problem, right? they fundamentally they're different issues. Though. Yeah, no. But if you know the fundamental matter of dark matter or what it is exactly, then it would be. So Theoretically slightly easier to work yeah. out the grand unified theory. It's, it's possible that the drawing of a fun, like
1: dark matter system could provide clues to unraveling uh, like a grand unified theory, but not necessarily. Oh, true. It could just be added on as an ad hoc extension to the standard
0: model. And it's a plus one one, it's not And then you, but, uh, yeah. and then you uh, are right back and... You're right back at square one. Yeah. <laughs> so <have> <laughs> and that, that's, that's, that's what I like about some of I like about physics problems in general. I'm an engineer but mostly because I can see that you can work towards a tangible solution even though say with dark matter and dark energy we don't know the answer to it but we know that there should be an answer to this thing we don't know what it is, but we know that we can work towards
1: it. That case is very interesting because we know, despite not knowing what dark energy is or what dark matter consists of, we know, we know exactly how much of each one there is. Yeah, We know that dark energy is driving the expansion of the universe. We know that dark matter clusters and halos around galaxies. We can see dark matter bending light uh, as it uh, traverses these gravitational wells caused by dark matter. So we have all this indirect information about dark matter and we some indirect information about dark energy but we still know we still lack a understanding of the fundamental properties of
0: what's going yes. like, that's that's one of the really like that's what I love about world, one of the business problems is that fundamentally even though we know what we don't know even our instruments may not be able to pick it up we can still say, well, this is where the gaps in our knowledge are, let's head towards that, which makes uh, progress a bit more straightforward than, say, other fields like biology or chemistry, where a lot of the time you're also requiring more tuition to try and make that next understanding or that next new advancement in, say, cancer research. I like it because I can chug away at a problem, I can chip away at, it rather than saying, I don't know what the next solution is. To me as an engineer, I like the stuff that like, we
1: get progress. I own. think you could argue that these other fields
0: have, have progress <laughs> oh they do they yeah they do but it's you chip away in your own way yeah but like say take maths for example some of the maths problems you get to a fundamental point where it just requires a new way of thinking but once you make that paradigm shift to use Quim's terms you gain then you can you know like you can open up this whole new field of the um, yeah. it happens yeah. in physics or two. Yeah, well, yeah wait so I don't like that, that happens more in, physics. More in physics, <laughs> physics than in <laughs> maths at least that's math, true you can keep the old stuff that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't disagree with that. Physics has the unnerving tendency to declare everything solved and then be like, ah, we, we know everything, and then someone raises an inconvenient truth. That we, we that the someone's of physics. Yeah. Last, we <laughs> were just talking about that at the last table. You know, coming up on this, the centenary of uh, general
1: relativity and before uh, Einstein's seminal paper on general relativity, and, uh, there were some commentators at the time who thought uh, we are getting close to the end of physics. we had worked out most you know, of the yeah, problems
0: five problems left to solve yeah, the done. Done. and the physics done and at the time they
1: were uh, scientists were unaware of quantum mechanics unaware of big bang and, and you know so it was really just the beginning
0: well, I, mean, I, I think that's going to be one of the real the big challenges is because even if we solve let's say we come up with a grand unified theory and that theory involves either string or multiverse <laughs> And well, we solved all these problems, but now we have a whole other <laughs> universe of issues we didn't even know about. Yeah, so I said at the at the other table, I saw that I I don't see any, any
1: prospect of and, um, running out of interesting problems to solve. <laughs> the other Good job security, man. Yeah, I, yeah, it keeps <laughs> interesting. What were you going to say, Mike? Oh, I was just going to say that I think um, that's still price requires quite a bit of creativity and I mean, people have made up whole new notations for
0: that just to solve their own problems. Yes. Well, it's, we like them to make more notations, otherwise they describe things like, oh, there's a proof, but uh, it's in the margin. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they
0: don't have space, but it is. <laughs> so, when you... If you, if you did a dual, a dual major, for a better word, back in, in the day, in your undergraduate days, way back, <laughs> in your, <laughs> in your um, yes. what sort of drove you to sort of narrow this area of aestheticism? So, sort of, sort of, I guess it's not that aestheticism
1: is more So, my, my story in that regard, as, as many people's stories are, is somewhat idiosyncratic. <laughs> so, occasionally you find someone uh, who is an you know, academic researcher who says, You know, when I was an undergrad, I knew I wanted to study, you know. Um strong nuclear force and so I did a project on this and then I, I keep, yeah, keep doing it but, but most people you'll find uh, knew they wanted to study physics or uh, science but they met a professor who had an opportunity and they, they got involved with project A which you know, led them to meet some other researcher who, uh, who happened to have a project or you know things like that and in my case there are There are many such uh, forks in the road where things happen differently. The reason I actually ended up in educational waves, probably, is because my wife was doing a PhD in uh, ecology, evolution, and behavior at the University of Minnesota. And okay. I mean, I'm I was, not seeing the through line yet, but I'm And I was at this time, she was starting her PhD, and I was and we, were, we were already married, but, but she, she got into Minnesota for her program, and I was finishing mine at the University of Washington, Seattle, which is a few hour flight from Minneapolis. So I was dead set on getting a post office position at the University of Minnesota, and I was, you know, whatever they had there was what I was going to choose and, and that was actually, in, in fact, somewhat uh, arrogant of me, because the text and uh, in hindsight, I was by no means a shame that I would even be able to get one at the time. Being young and arrogant, I'd, I, I you know, applied, I think, only to one job thinking I did. And by great luck, I did. And I was able to continue my career. But I, you know, the best fit for me at that university um, was a, a professor who mentored me in who studied gravitational waves. But if my wife had gone to another university for her PhD, I probably would have studied something else now for graduate school. So, you know, many, many researchers have, you know, later in your career, it's less idiosyncratic, but there's always the degree of that. And early on, you know, these meeting, meeting people happening to go to a science cafe night and hearing a talk can send you off on a path. That's part of the fun of being young and interested in science is that you know, <laughs> You know, you shouldn't feel that you have to know what you want to study or know what the path would be because, you, know, you can just, it's, it's a well-trodden path, and just do what, what you find, what's around you, what's interesting, and work hard at it, and be good at it, and people who do that opportunities come along, you can find, find new things, new
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's really good advice on the, uh, you even heard Lachlan talk about it before, like, once you start in something, you can realise, ah, this is interesting, and maybe not for me, and then yeah, you I think wait something else. Like, and actually learn more about where and actually do want to go out, out of that whole experience as well. Yes, I guess my, my, my problem is that I'm not a... I get, into, I get into trouble when I call myself a scientist from um, some of my academic... Is, is because I'm a practising consulting engineer. I write papers and I do research, but I'm not oh, engineering so and science.
1: In, in LIGO in particular, um, we have you know, the, the engineers and the people who make that money. So uh,
0: engineering is uh, oh. fundamental science. Yeah. I mean, that's the, whole, that's the whole thing about really interesting aspects of physics research. <laughs> so the math, I guess the mathematical goes, well, that's challenging. And you get big toys like the LHC or LIGO. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. We heard from Dr Eric Thrain about some of the biggest challenges left in physics, what he's most excited to find out, and how he actually got here on his journey through undergraduate degrees in physics and philosophy, through postdoc, and now studying in Melbourne. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.